1: They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football.
2: Good morning, this is Talking Devils, the leading independent Manchester United podcast. I'm your host, Wayne Barton, joined um, as usual, but in a very different format today by the legendary football writer, Paddy
0: Barclay. Um, Good morning, Paddy, how are you doing? Good morning, uh, Wayne. Good morning, everybody. Uh, Very well indeed, thank you. Uh, As we speak, the morning after a Manchester United victory, however, one that must be weighed uh, against the quality of the opposition. But that's uh, that I'm sure will unfold.
2: Similar um, story to your team, aren't we? Really, the start of the season, a couple of losses, a couple of wins in there. How are Dundee faring?
0: Uh, I thought you meant Fulham my uh, my 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 <laughs> English my Premier League team uh, uh who've had a great start um uh, but uh Dundee um we've had a uh, what was it Manchester United have spent in the transfer window Wayne you you'd have the correct figure but it's over 200, million. 200 million yeah yeah 200 million well we've spent you, you know all those notes on the end of the 200 and 200 are 2 we've We've spent the last of those notes. Yeah, <laughs> it's. I'll di- tell you, it's a different world. But uh, I still love Dundee as much as you and everybody else who's with us today loves Manchester United. I quite like Manchester United. Yeah, um, Fulham started the season quite well. Um,
2: they a yeah. slightly different uh, transfer approach to Nottingham Forest. They've
0: gone for a little more stability. Yeah. Than- <laughs> than Forrest's
2: two teams comes well, with.
0: Exactly. But both teams came up together. Um, I must admit, I I felt particularly with the investment that Forrest made, that Forest could be the the best of the three uh, promoted clubs. But of course, they had one or two lone players in that very good yeah. promotion side under Cooper. And, um and so they've had to they've had to uh, bring in a lot of players. Twenty one has got to be a record, hasn't it? Um, but uh, yeah, anyway, there's some some ones among them, and uh, I still feel that that Forest will will find their feet and will survive. Um, and I think there could be a couple of big names going down at the end of this season if you if you look at this sort of early form. Uh, okay, we're only. But I put it less, than just over 10% into the season, 15% of the season, but uh, there are one or two big clubs who are looking, or famous clubs that are looking uh, at the bottom of the league, and and Leicester United's opponents last night are one of them, another blue team, Everton, um, this great, you know, they're they they're not worried about winning the league, they're worried about staying in it, uh, and for a club with Everton's history. Yeah, that's not good enough.
2: No, it's not. Um, yeah, um, it was a good win for United last night. The transfer strategy of uh, Forest, is, it does baffle me a little bit because I, I just wonder, when they got to like 15, or when, when they got to 10, how will they selling the club to the next 10? You know, like, all right, you could say you're going to come in and make a difference, but it's like, there's like the, the team that came up, the team that they brought in, and then this mm. extra team, oh, you'd be playing if these six players are <laughs> out injured, you know what I mean? It seems a bit odd, but um, you know, it, yeah. might, it might work for them. Um, it seems a risk, it you know, does, yeah. definitely stockpiled, um, for sure. Um, United have made five signings, we'll talk about all of them and mm. a lot of players who did remain. Um, obviously, we're here to talk about Eric Tenog's start to, to life mm. at Manchester United and he, as his reputation, um, dictates, is one of the best people um, to, to actually talk to about that, not only masterful biography of Busby, which I plug every single week on the history podcast that we do, but the um, Football Bloody Hell, the biography of Alex Ferguson, which is um, no less masterful. Um, certainly one of my favourite books on Ferguson. Um, and mm. So, it is with Busby and Ferguson in mind that I wanted to sort of talk to you um, about um, 10 because the common thread... That um, uh, is associated with those two managers when they came into the job is that they demanded an unprecedented amount of control. Uh, mm. Must be demanded total control all over the club, and, and Ferguson similar um but in, in ferguson's way it was sort of like you know let me over i'm gonna real overhaul everything anyway you know like the system and all that. but he also had control over the the actual playing squad that he could get rid of anyone that he wanted to and he we'll talk about the specific examples in a bit but the control is the tone what i want to start um talking about with 10r because it looks like that's one of the things that he has appeared to insist on you know he, first of all that he's gone in there he said i want control over the planes." but but also like the the amount of discipline that he's instilled it seems to first of all um being clear that he he was working that way anyway but then as soon as mm. united capitulated at brentford and he made that very infamous now infamous decision to drag them all back into training mm. um and then ran that training um, lap himself. He did the exact, the exact um, same drill as what he was putting the players through to sort of say, look, I'm going to do it. You should have to do it as well. A very symbolic message that, I mean, neither Ferguson or Busby did that, but um, yeah. the, it was a, a very extreme message. And it, it seems to have come across in the way control. His team selections are, are all um, indicative of the level of control that he's got. And with that being the key word, that's nobody it's way, way too early to start saying he's like those Bill Ferguson, but it, it is very encouraging from a United perspective. It's still
0: yeah, it's it's still a good comparison, especially as um, yes, we're talking about different environments, of course, and we can we can talk about that in a little bit of detail, but uh he's had to do it much, much more quickly. Um, as Ferguson often remarked, you know, that the pace at which people expect things uh increased virtually on a, a, a steadily a steady graph all the way through his quarter century as in charge of Manchester United. And the pace has, if anything, increased. Hence, we've just come out of a transfer window where the Premier League spending pretty well hit £2 billion. Um, that's among, you know, 20 clubs. It's amazing. Uh, <clears throat> more than that of all the other three major leagues in Europe combined. So um, the pace, the intensity of everything has grown and therefore Ten um, Hag has, in a sense, <coughs> had to conduct his revolution, which, which Ferguson, I think Ferguson, said that his control became real. Of course, his insistence on control at the start of, on, on the day of his, prior to his appointment was was fundamental as it is has been with Den Haag, but he, he always said that his actual grip on the club didn't come until after that first trophy in nineteen ninety was it the FA yeah. Cup, and by delivering for United he then was able to use that control in a much more complete in a, in a complete way rather than it, as an aspiration. Now, what Den Haag has done is. Is do it in three weeks, not between nine November nineteen eighty six and uh, May nineteen ninety, um, as, as Ten Hag might say. That was luxury, Alex. You know that they they um, he's had since that three but less than three weeks ago. Since the absolute battering at Brentford. Um, um he, he's he's had basically to get things right. And and of course playing Liverpool, you could say was a free hit. Um in the if they'd lost that game, as everybody, every neutral expected them to do. Um then people would have said, Well, yeah, that's Liverpool, you know, come on, you know, give him a break, sort of thing. But they, they didn't take it as a free hit, they took it as an opportunity. And I mean that was a sensational performance. Yes, you might say, well, Liverpool we were lucky to beat Newcastle the other night, which they were. Um, uh, but Newcastle are a force, uh, going to be a force, going to be a top half club, but at the very least this season. <clears throat> so Liverpool aren't, haven't completely disintegrated. They, 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 but uh, and they were beaten. They were beaten conclusively by Manchester United, a Manchester United team. Um, with a ferocious work rate. Reminiscent, you might say, before we get too carried away about it um, from the United point of view, reminiscent of many games in Solskjaer's first year or two, where United yeah. could raise their game, rather like, up to, you, know, you aren't going to like hearing this, rather like a small club in a cup tie, were able to yeah. raise their game for a particular match that they targeted as one that that could have a an effect on morale it was it reminded me a little bit of that and we, we mustn't forget that that these you know famous victories did happen under Solskjaer and great performances against against leading clubs so um we have to t- take it all in that context but there's no question at the moment watching last night's performance at leicester Um, that there was a control and and an assumption, a control on the park, where it really mattered, and an assumption of victory, which is something that Ten Hag has hinted at. He's talked about winning shouldn't be something that we go, we have a party about, it should be our job. And that was Fergusonian, wasn't it? And uh, uh, so, yes, without going back to the Busby era, which was slightly different, yes, there is a glimmer of a, 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 a resurgence of Manchester United becoming one day a Manchester United team again. It's, um, it's, yeah,
2: three games. This is the sample size in which we're evaluating it on. <laughs> three, three games after losing to Brentford 4-0. And those games have all been decided by a single goal. Um, but... We talked about Busby and Ferguson there, but you have to go back to obviously each of um, Ferguson's successes. Apart from money, it's too small of a sample size, and it was with Ferguson's squad. With Van Gogh, um, there were two, two mini runs. There was the one where United won Anfield, and they had Fellaini still playing as a false 10, and, and one matter scoring the goal. This is a kick at Anfield, and Rooney doing the boxing celebration against Spurs. Mm-hmm. What a mini there and then when they had all the injuries and the kids came in, there was a little resurgence there, but there was never anything that you thought, alright that's something that's going to stay for the long term you knew that it was like a temporary solution until the next transfer window with Mourinho, I think there was a run where at the start of his second season United won a few games by four goals with Pogba and Lukaku playing well But you sort of knew there that they weren't playing really good football, it was Mourinho so Mourinho's best football kind of, mm-hmm. you know like those they're, they're very clinical um, you're not always going to get that level of clinical finishing so United um, yeah, would just benefiting from it in that moment, and then under Solskjaer, like you've already said, there was a famous star, I think it was like 18 games unbeaten which mm-hmm. effectively landed him the job but for those of us who sat through those games, the, the first two or three games were, yeah, they all alright, they were good they were entertaining, but then the rest of the performances were not so good. The, the, the results were good, but the performances were starting to decline. And you sort I'm not saying that we thought, oh, Solskjaer was in trouble already. Definitely didn't think that. So we we're encouraged by the results. But there, they were kind of like pluckier results, like what you, you were referring to mostly the, the wins over City, which he had a really good record in, in the league game. Well, in, in general games against City, he had a good yes. record there. But earlier on in the cup runs, I think we played Arsenal in the Cup, at Chelsea in the Cup, we played at Spurs and Solskjaer's tactical plans were always really good. But the mm-hmm. performances were not so good. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what a lot of us are looking at at the moment in time, because we don't know. We don't know what this sample size of form is going to be, how long it goes. But it's the, the flickers, isn't it? It's the, it's the moments of good football that you see. I mean, when United they were... A few good moments against Liverpool. There were a couple mm. against Southampton, a couple against Leicester last night, and and perhaps crucially, most of those good moments have resulted in in the match winning moments. You know, they didn't get a fluke. They were there were good moments, and they resulted in goals. And then, like I said, certainly against Leicester last night. And but again, you have to look at it being a downtrodden Leicester side. That mm. there was a control a control there that you haven't seen from the United side. That they actually looked like. The, I mean, Ericsson's a great example because I, I tweeted about him. You know, I-, I said Ericsson is really settled into this United midfield, and I had a few people saying back, he looks like Paul Scholes. I think obviously it's a yeah. massive compliment. I, 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 and I don't think it's a million miles off the mark. I'm not saying that he, he was as masterful as Skulls at his peak, but he was very much reminiscent of latter day Skulls, you know, like doing the
0: unsung stuff, just moving the ball. Yeah. The ball. I mean, playing playing in small areas. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a good comparison. Um, when I say playing in small areas, I mean, Paul Skulls was probably if he'd had the mobility of. Um, Steven Gerrard, Frank Lampard, you know, he, he would have been undoubtedly the greatest uh, English midfield player of one of the greatest mid- English midfield players of all time. Um, and, uh, you know, Ericsson at, at this stage of his career, how old is he now? 31, something like that. Um, you know, he, he he's not going to be able to, you know, cover ground the way, you know, the people that I've just talked about did. Um, So, yeah, but he does provide that quality. He provides the intelligence, the simplicity. Um, An awful lot of his passes, I noticed in... um, I mean, (laughs) yes, I know we are talking about three weeks after his disaster at Brentford, but I think he had things on his mind there. Um, After all, he was playing for them the year before, so the season before, so... months before so it, it was a difficult it was going to be a difficult time time but uh yeah that watching watching the 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 game since you've you you've you've seen um what he really can provide that assurance manchester united have done this actually with players they've been easy to criticize a lot of these transfers and you can go back all the way to henrik Larsson, uh ibrahimovic ronaldo Maybe Casemiro. I know he's only thirty, but you know yes. he's you know had a long time at Real Madrid. Um, then the, there must be other examples of this of uh, of players who've who've had long careers at other clubs and have come to United almost in a sort of MLS end of school stage of their career, uh, and yet have provi- uh, have contributed mightily. I mean Ibrahimovic. As much as anybody, Ronaldo, um, um, and and I think Ericsson will be very much of that of that line. Uh, I probably missed out one or two of, of players who came at the end of their careers. And and Sheringham had,
2: was a, I think Sheringham's thirty one.
0: Well, yeah, you can go back even to Sheringham, uh, you know, who took part in the uh, in the treble and, and had a key part actually in the. In, uh in in all three legs of the, of the of the treble ultimately so um yeah incidentally speaking of the treble you we talked about books before I hope that everybody's going to take a look at 1999 by Matt Dickinson. you've already um praised the, this book highly yeah. um it's yeah. certainly um, one that I'm yeah and um, I'm certainly looking forward um to seeing that from my old journalistic colleague Matt Dick, Matt Dickinson and I'm sure it'll you described it as magnificently written and and what was it magnificently written and with an astonishing amount of detail but when you get Wayne Barton turning up fresh details you've, you've got you, you you've got to just give uh, Dickinson a round of applause for that <clears throat> yep anyway enough of the plugging um yeah to go to Teddy sheringham yes it was was one who came after the age of 30 and um and uh, and and yeah, definitely made an impact. Yeah, yeah.
2: I mean, if you're watching the history series, then you'll we'll coming up to the docket era when he certainly made a few of those. Um, <laughs> you can go back. Arnold Muren, um, the Atkinson marine is another example. But wait, we're going way, way, way.
1: This
0: I can... isn't a, yeah to bring it more up to date. I think Casemiro, you see, is an example of Manchester United. The 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 the, the expand the the. The Busby Babes made Manchester United a world class institution, sporting institution. The uh, Ferguson era cemented that. And the history of Manchester United has made it attractive for player players to sort of think, you know, the way Lewandowski's gone to Barcelona. And you, if you're a footballer, if you know, imagine you're a footballer, you think, oh, it'd be nice to play for Barcelona. Similarly, they think, whoa, looking at those old Trafford european nights i wouldn't mind a year at man united see how it goes you know and i think casemiro you know was <clears throat> uh, well, I, you know obviously i i haven't listened to, to all his press conferences and i don't you know I, I, I don't know what his real reasons for coming to manchester united are but i'm sure part of it and ibrahimovic as well he loves a stage uh, yeah. and 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 he'll have seen what happened with the canton eye era and what a a stage strutter. What a showman can do at Old Trafford. <clears> and <throat> so I think uh, the history and tradition and, and the scale of Manchester United helps them to get these players. When uh, otherwise they might just go from go for money. I'm sure they're being paid, by the way. <laughs> but you know, yeah, I mean, it
2: definitely is. Um, but I, I think what I really like about Ericsson is like the simple economy. Like you know, after years of watching. And I'm not going to dig all of them out, but with Papa, Herrera, mm. players who don't appear to be comfortable on the ball for the midfielders. Yep. Do you know what I mean? I'm not saying yes. they're obviously not comfortable on the ball,
0: but comfortable in possession, that they can keep yeah. the rhythm of yeah. possession going. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, they, um, I, I would, I noticed you omitted Bruno from that because if you, you know, you're, you, yes, maybe. The last year, he, he's not been—he's not looked a Manchester United player. But by God, he did when they needed, <coughs> when they needed him. And he will get back to that, I'm sure. But uh, yes, it's 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 that comfort on the ball—that that look of being comfortable in the shirt, if you like, comfortable with the tradition of the club and with the expectations of the worldwide support. Um, I mean Ericsson with his poker face is just ideal for that absolutely ideal for that and as I say it, it's United are lucky to have him Yeah. Um,
2: on Tenog's control we'll go back to that a little bit um, what I do like, what we've seen from him um, what one of the things I like um, is that he is getting chances but he's also making swift decisions on the squad. He's not sort of like, I think Solskjaer strung it out a little bit too too much with the players that he had. He sort of mm. gave them mm. too many chances. And, and perhaps that's what you get when you're a player who... Um, and I, I said this a few times, I think. It sort of went amiss or dropped like a lead balloon because it was mm. probably a, a time when Solskjaer wasn't very popular. But mm. I think a large part of Solskjaer's personality probably came from the fact that for three years, he could have been kicked out of Old Trafford because he was carrying an injury. You know, He was carrying yeah. such a significant injury that you know, a more ruthless coach would have just said, all right, well, we've given you a chance to come back. But he didn't. He actually, Ferguson kept him around, gave him another chance, and he rewarded him with a, a sort of nice swan song in the 2007 season. Mm. Solskjaer played his part on, and scored a few goals in that. So I think that probably paid, played a part in the reason why players like Phil Jones have been kept on. But mm. King ten Tenor, he's making more ruthless decisions. He's giving... Yes, he gave Maguire a chance at the start. He gave Shaw a chance, but as soon as they underperformed, they were out. I mean, you put cap, the captain and Ronaldo on the bench, it's almost like, again, to go back to the Ferguson era, it's like a modern equivalent of taking Maguire and side out of the team in terms of statement. Or even if you go yeah. back to, to... yeah, I mean, I'll make another comparison in a moment, but that certainly seems like a kind of statement that's, that he's making at the, the moment,
0: isn't it? Yes, uh, that is true. But he's, he's not gone far enough, in my opinion. If you look, uh, I, I think he, need, he needs, I mean, you're quite right to identify this as a success, this ruthlessness. But as an example of where the crossbar is, you just need to look, and, and I'm sure most of the people listening won't like to hear this, you just need to look across the city. Um, uh to Manchester City they've been the best in my opinion the best in in the Premier League not only for winning titles but by getting rid of players as soon as the player surplus their requirements and it doesn't matter they're not frightened of them doing well elsewhere Gabriel Jesus yes he's above Manchester City at the moment with Arsenal but they knew what they wanted to do and they knew that by getting at the end of the season they're going to have more goals with Erling Haaland than Gabriel Jesus. And there's no point in keeping Gabriel Jesus if he's going to be on the bench all the time. So they get money out of him, because they need it to balance the books uh, at Manchester City, which they haven't always done, of course. But um, one thing you do have to say about Manchester City is that they've been very, very good at giving, uh, at, at not having Moaning faces hanging around the club. Now, Phil Jones. I'm not saying he's a a, a troublemaker. I'm not saying any of these players are troublemakers, but they're not gonna be part of the future of Manchester United, I'll name them. Phil Jones, possibly Maguire, Um, the fullback. Williams, is it? Uh, Yeah. The young lad. He's not gonna be a Manchester United player, I don't think. um, on top of that, um, oh, uh, uh, the left back, um, uh, Shaw. Now he's not—he's not, he's not going to be part of the new Manchester United um, because they brought in a left back who's going to get better and better. Uh, Tyrell Malassia, yeah. Um, in my opinion, he's been one of he had been up there with Ericsson as one of the big improvements. I mean, you, yeah. you just realise what was wrong with Shaw. When you see this boy come in, he's much better, isn't he? He's unbelievable. He's he's, he's it is
2: the him and Ericsson. Martinez to a certain extent, but Martinez is a bit different because you're analysing him more as a defender because of his height, but Malassia yeah. and Ericsson, they've just come in and put in seven out of tens, and it's and it's something that you take for granted. Yeah, when when you watch a successful team, but they've come in and it's for that to be a massive improvement. Yeah, it's um, mm-hmm. Malati has been incredible.
0: Uh, I think he's been, yeah, yeah, arguably, you know, the best so far. Of course, we await the debut of Anthony, and I'm sure we're going to get on to to that. I mean, what a, a mouth watering fixture is Manchester United's next, even without Anthony. But if you add the prospect of Anthony into it, well, you just start drooling even as a neutral, but <clears throat> to talk about Lissandro Martinez, when I first saw him, uh, it was the, it was, I don't remember seeing him in the game against Brighton, but I, uh, in, uh, in the Brentford game, I just was the same as everybody. I thought, what a Manchester United committing suicide. You know, is it, what, what's, what's this all about? I mean, you can't be a small center half, a central defender, uh, Canavaro, I think, was World Player of the Year when he was uh, as a centre back, and he was no bigger than Martinez. Um, so there's no, Gary Neville played centre half, and he's a little fella. So there's no law that says you can't be a small centre half, but um, it was a, a sort of it was the first time I'd seen Martinez uh, in, in English football, and it reminded me of the first time I saw Paul Pogba. Remember, in a derby against City. And he looked like a kid that won a competition to play for five minutes alongside professionals. And he was hooked after, I think, at halftime by Ferguson. And yet, he, over the last two weeks, has said, right, this is what I need to do. This is, I've studied English football, but now that I know the physical demands of it, this is what I have to do. Whether his lack of height will be exploited as time goes by remains to be seen. But he's not being brushed off, is he? Uh, you know, no, he was, Yeah, he was brilliant
2: against Liverpool, man of the match at Southampton and yeah. um, good again. I mean, the, the thing is with a, a defender like Martinez is he's obviously got to compensate. So you're looking at how he compensates and his reading of the game and his tenacity, you know, getting to the, the tackles, Either early enough that the height doesn't matter. On certainly
0: on the ground, he's he's front foot forward, so he's getting yeah. in front. I mean, I mean, another floor. one's just occurred to me. Actually, you talk about defenders who get who are who are brainy, who can work it, work out solutions that don't involve physique. Um, late Jamie Carragher, yeah. uh, when he settled down as a centre back, he was no giant, although he was taller than any of the others we've discussed he was like that you know he, he, he couldn't compete necessarily physically with a wasn't as quick as Shevchenko for example but in the end he got the better of him in Istanbul so I think and, and I, I it flashed that particular contest flashed across my mind when I saw Martinez work out a few angles in those games you Discussed. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him now because, of course, he he, he can play a little bit as well. So it's uh, it's going to be very very interesting to see how the. Um, I mean, Harry Maguire may get back in the side um, because Varane. How how long will Varane stay clear of injury? How many games can yeah. he play in a month? Um, yeah. uh, that that remains to be seen, but. Uh, so that that's why I'm I'm not sure. People say, "Oh, he's made his Ten Hag's made his decision about Harry Maguire." I'm not sure yet. Yeah, Um
2: yeah. There's a lot of ruthlessness going on in there. you yeah. you probably right there are areas where he'll probably have to be more ruthless. We got a comment in here from um, Blind Pew. He says, "With Anthony's arrival, do you think Rashford will have so much needed?" To <laughs> this is this is. Right. Um, yeah, no, there's no pulling punches in the comments. Um, uh, no No fancy in there. But the point... Um, thought Rashford, I thought Rashford
0: played well last night, actually.
2: But it relates back to the, the ruthlessness, right? The, there are other areas in the team that um, standards will need to be raised. And with Anthony coming in, the mm. likes of Rashford and Sancho and, and certainly Martial and even Ronaldo, and we'll talk about him in a minute, but mm. all those players now... They they need to step up. A, 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 because well, I think Anthony's gonna play. He's gonna play. So there's two spaces left.
0: Well, he could play. He, he could play all along the front, can't he? Um, yeah. If he plays, I mean, the, the, to, to to paraphrase Blind Pew, uh, with Anthony's arrival, do you think Jaden Sancho has had a much needed rocket up his backside? That's another question. Yeah, nice no, goal, sco- goal scorer. Goal scorer last night after being fairly anonymous in one of, in quite a few matches since he came from Dortmund.
2: Yeah, no, he, he struggled last season. Um, his goal against Liverpool was outstanding. His quick feet at the box, and mm. you do wonder. Um, you know, first of all, bring better midfielders in, better quality of possession, better quality of chances. Pick the heads off the floor. Get the shoulders a bit higher. You know, players playing with more confidence. All of these elements go into it, don't they? And I mean, Sancho, the jury was out on every single player last season. Let's not, mm, make, yeah. not make bones about it. Every single player, you could look at that and say, well, they won't be part of a, a title-winning squad for United either due to quality or age. By the time United are in that position again, that this yeah. player won't be involved. So you could say that yep. the entire squad needed that. Um, and then really, that's that speaks to what. Um, Tenor, the triumphs that he's got so far, that he's only, only brought in five players, but it's been that rocky up the backside for a few of these mm. other players. Um, the other thing, just to close on the, the theme that I brought up at the start about control, and we've talked about like the McGraw and White side, and you know, like with McGuire and Ra- uh, Ronaldo being out of the side. The other thing, and you also mentioned trophy, so winning a trophy is going to be the ultimate barometer for Tenog. First of all, it looks like he's been backed by the club completely, which is great. Second stage is winning a trophy and getting the players completely convinced in his um in his methods. The other thing, um, which he he sort of did, but I know a lot of people wouldn't give him the responsibility for this, because he was appointed early, because he was in the job earlier early as, early as the last season when he was he was present at the last game of last season to, to watch United. Yes. Yeah. play to, to watch his lose at Palace. He was obviously making decisions and those decisions included taking a contract offer off the table for Paul Pogba, ma- you know, making decisions over all the players who were left on free transfers, you know, Matic, Lingard, Pogba, Mata, all of these players who left. And in a way, obviously those players I'm speaking about weren't anywhere near the profile or, or quality of best loan Charlton. No, but when we look at what docket had to do in his first few months in charge and in terms of redressing the um addressing the dressing room balance and making sure that there's a, a different energy in there it is similar in terms of stature isn't it and and it was important mm. really for Tenov that he did that yep. because he immediately gave him some
0: control yes yes that's true and, and i think that the I mean, United just got rid of Pogba just in time. It uh, it appears, um, because he's not going to have his mind on his football, is he? Um, so, it if he ever did, um, the United should have sold him four years ago. And this is part of the control thing. Uh, in fact, they should never have bought him. Um, I mean, they sold him. Ferguson sold him. A let him go, should I say, or maybe had to let him go. Uh, but I mean, bringing him back was inexplicable to me. After you'd seen a year of him, uh, keeping him on, giving him further contracts, and that what that said to me was that there was somebody at the club, and you can only imagine that Ed Woodward was running the club because you know he was paid to. Um, somebody at the club had, you know, a special regard for uh, for, for whatever reason for, for Paul Pogba. Perhaps it was, you know, to keep the agent sweet. Perhaps he genuinely felt he was the best, most potent player at the club. Um, I don't know. But I think I'm not alone, uh, and, and e- even among Manchester United fans, in finding it utterly bewildering that a club... Kept allowed a player's value to run down from 90 million to nil. Was it? Did they get anything for him in the end? From 90, 89 million to nil in front of their eyes. It'd be like um, uh, jamming a, um, a what you call it, a chisel into your petrol tank and watching all the petrol drain out and then wondering why your car didn't work anymore. It, 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 to me, utterly inexplicable. But great, it's it's gone now. And, uh, you know, I when I talked before about, about the players that were still at the club, perhaps that was a little unfair uh, to the to Ten Hag and to the club as a whole, for getting rid of Lingard, who also had to go. Good player, but, uh, you know, too tainted with the... Uh, the, the the regime that had mashed what, four or five managers before him if you include gigs um and you know uh, uh quite quite a few people from from that era have gone and and i hope that denhard will complete the job already you, you looked at the team uh the last three wins and and they've got A freshness about them that was never quite achieved under the previous management. There weren't, there wasn't Luke Shaw trundling up the left wing. There wasn't Juan Bissaka wondering why left Crystal Palace in the first place. There was, you know, there was always, you know, negatives. And and at the moment, you can see a a lot of, you know, a, a lot of freshness and and I think I mean, we've already talked a lot about uh, Malasia, but uh, uh, he epitomizes it for me. He's yeah. an absolute breath of fresh air in a way that, what's his name, the Brazilian Teles. A Teles was brought in to, to provide that, and, and a lot of people said he would, and, but the, the culture of the club sort of... Under, under Malasia and Ten Hag, all I'm saying is that, at the moment, it's only yeah. three games, but it's it feels and looks different. Yeah,
2: those three games incidentally, Ronaldo's been on the bench. Um, there did seem to be some kind of agreement where he could go if a reasonable offer came in for him, but his wages and other reasons meant that that didn't happen. Apparently, there were a couple of deals somewhat dependent on on um, movement in that area. You know, both in and out of United and mm. Memphis at Barcelona. A lot of things seem to be riding on that as well. Um, Obviously, Ronaldo's now staying at the club, much to the delight of my nephew, I'm sure, Um, but Mm -hmm. maybe not for people older than seven years old, Um, even though I felt quite excited when he first came back, Mm. Uh, obviously. I mean, there's a world-class player in there still at the age of 37. Oh, yeah. You can't score 25 goals at the age of 37 and then... Uh, three hat tricks in the three or just two hat tricks in the Premier League last season. You can't break the records that he did last season and not still be considered world class. However, we know that from this system, it's very difficult to envisage, and the speed of the the Premier League it's difficult to envisage where where if fits into that side. But I mean, you can say that oh, you'll start the Europa League games. Perhaps you'll start games um, against your Bournemouth or Forest, or teams with slower. Centre backs. Do you think that that's going to be the way that Tenog deals with him from?
0: Max? Yes, although he, I mean, he, he he will have to make. He'll have to keep his his running, in, and he's he'll have to do a wee bit of pressing, you know, because you he, you'll he, have to sort of sli- reinvent. No, tweak. Yes, um, you you know. On the other hand, the potential. For him to, for the umpteenth time, to have the last laugh is yeah. is 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 there, and he will he will have seen that. I mean, quite he's not worried about money because he's on about half a million a week, so that's all right. Um, but players don't get to be that good. Players don't get to be worth that much money if all they're worried about is money. <clears throat> he is worried about legacy, about image, about. In the great I am, and the possibility that possibility is still there at Old Trafford, and he will know that. But he, he does have to tweak his game, yes, a little bit. Because, but there was uh, the old Scotland manager, Craig Brown, once used, I was talking to him once, and he's he talked, he used the phrase a cheer sub. And I said, What's it? What's a cheer sub? He said, Well, a cheer sub always like, on the bench, when I'm naming my bench, I always like to have someone who will lift, who if we're not doing well, will lift the crowd, lift the other players, change the atmosphere, and okay, we we might only get 10 minutes of impetus, but during that 10 minutes, we might, he or somebody, might score. And so always good to have a cheer sub. Somebody will maybe cause a cheer when he comes on, rather than, I mean... You, you know, you you put on uh, Herrera or uh, Brandon Williams or or um, Phil Jones, you do the crowd doesn't go potty. But if if you put on Ronaldo, there'll be seventy six thousand people off their seats, yeah. and that impetus will be there. So, yeah, and he also has the opportunity that when he does start games, scoring a hat trick. Okay, what are you going to do about that, Eric? You're going to me after a hat trick against Galatasaray or whoever it might be? Of course not. So he's there's still plenty to, to play for there, and uh, I'd be disappointed if he headed off to uh, America or somewhere, uh, you know, in in January. But uh, who knows? Who yeah. knows what will happen between now and then?
2: Yeah, definitely interesting. Like you said, he's he's a player who's definitely reinvented himself a couple of times as well. And now he's faced with with this. You might as well make the best out of it, you know, and mm-hmm. he's certainly one who's gonna do that. And and to be fair, he pressed under Ragnik. A lot of people didn't see that, but he did, and he was in the team all the time and he scored a fair few goals. It was pretty much the only goals we scored seems yeah. to be. Honest. Um, and <sighs> so he's capable of doing it. He's obviously um Still, the best finisher that we've got. So, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, we'll, we'll close out by talking about Anthony, and um, he's registered to play against Arsenal. Arsenal's going to be a very good test considering their start to the season. The, the fact that they weren't brilliant against Fulham.
0: I think Fulham probably deserved something from that game. Um, yeah, most of our lot who were there said that, but uh, it was certainly very close. But uh, uh, the fact is, 15 points from five matches.
2: Yeah. You know.
0: Very uh, strong the, start. Yeah. Very, very strong start. And and all of those people, and there were lots of them, Arsenal people who said, you know, oh God, this Arteta's, you know, a pale imitation of Guardiola. We don't want him, blah, blah, blah. You don't hear a lot of that now. And there's a there's a I, I talked before about the the hope that this is there's a freshness about Manchester United that other regimes have not been able to achieve under Ten Hag. There's undoubtedly that, that freshness, exuberance, a lot of it comes from uh, homegrown youth uh, in the case of Arsenal, um, yeah. but it's it's there. And uh, um, when I say homegrown, I mean some of the... Martinelli's not... not I mean, United will have to watch him. He's having a good start to the season. But, he's, but youth that's grown up with the club, if you see what I mean. Um, so, yeah, that, and the intensity with which they play um, is something that United have not, <clears throat> not been tested quite in the same way in, in, in some of the uh, games on their recent mini run. So it's absolutely mouthwatering, but if Manchester United play uh, with the relish and intensity that they showed against Liverpool, they can win it.
2: Also, not just a cheer sub, probably a cheer starter. Yeah, if they if they decide to go with Anthony, um, Anthony, eighty-five million pound, uh, the second most expensive player in the club's history. Uh United wanted Ronaldinho back in two thousand and three, yeah. and I'm not saying that he's in the same class as him, but he does things on the ball that remind you of Ronaldinho. He's there to entertain, he's yeah. there to put on a show. Um, he's very much in that respect, uh, a player that
0: right out of the United playbook, isn't he? He's a, he's oh yes, if I mean if he, I can remember uh, early Ronaldo actually. Yeah. Uh, uh, he was an enter. In fact, he, he was criticised. Uh, somebody called him a show pony. And, in fact, lots of people became a, the phrase that you associate with because he did like a trick. And of course, we what what we what we probably didn't know is that he was working out which tricks worked nine times out of ten and which only worked five times out of ten. I mean, looking back on it, um, that was a that was a phase he went through, and probably deliberately or at least instinctively. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't. I, I, I just can't wait to see Anthony. And maybe we're expecting too much too soon, but uh, you know, to, to have a, a, a true entertainer at, uh, at Old Trafford um, would uh, well would would just increase the happiness of, uh, of an already um, um, well. I, you, you can answer. <laughs> A question just gone across my mind, Wayne, and I, I can only really get an answer from you because I don't know. I'm not am not a season ticket holder. I'm not a old-time Trafford regular. But can you still hate the ownership while loving the club? Can you forget the ownership for 90 minutes if the product on the field is good enough? For, for example, during the Liverpool game, did you give a second thought
2: to Joel where's it It's a great, great question. Um, you know me well enough to know that I'm such a purist about the football that, like, mm-hmm. the second minute goes, I'm just invested in the game. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, it, the atmosphere is all around you anyway, you know, especially the moment with the intense um, protests. I know that they exist and that they're there. But, like, Liverpool's a great example because when you're in the moment, especially that game, it's the game that I I absolutely detest every season because i, I hate I I liked it when it was at twelve thirty kickoff because it's over mm. and done with early in the day. <laughs> if it's at eight o'clock at night, I don't know why they do it, because you put through it like the entire day you're just thinking about it. The entire uh-huh. game is that and then it's like waiting for it to be over. It went, especially when you win and it just like blow the whistle. Man, do you know mm. what I mean? The first half like Make make this game end after 26 minutes, like you know, curtail it so that so it had to be abandoned and the score sticks. So that kind of thing, yeah. It can <laughs> because remember, like United are not just who they are at the moment, and, and this is the same for any football club. Any fan of any club, they are your entire your entire memories of going and you know your entire history of going to that club and watching that team. And then if you do enjoy the club's history and stuff like that, or your club's history, not just United, especially United, because, you know, it's so rich, you can go back and, you know, your relationship is with all of that as well, you know. And I, I don't know. I, I'm i not saying that I enjoy losing. Definitely do not. There were moments where, um, you know, I saw people walking out at half-time, before half-time when we lost 5-0 to Liverpool last year and thinking... I'm not one of those. I'll, I'll sit through the. I'm not saying that that separates me in any way from anyone else, but I'll just sit and watch the entire thing. It is, like, and and United's lows are moderate compared to the the average football fan. For example, we didn't really mm. career down the divisions or anything like that, like uh,
0: like Leeds United or Leicester.
2: Exactly. So you understand, like Sheffield, travail's are fairly moderate. United. This is as low as it's been since the relegation season, but it mm-hmm. was still a top half team. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'm sure, and I'm definitely want to say this: that the team at times probably not as good as the relegation team. That team was more popular, yeah. probably yeah. played better
0: football, more popular, yeah.
2: But but there is still something. There's a it's cathartic when you watch them win against Liverpool the way that they did recently, and your relationship is with the team. Real, you know what I mean. You're going yes. to watch them play football, and and you want to get behind the manager. And those things are, these are the things that you are involved in. That involved in. That's your relationship for those ninety minutes. You you're there to back the team and and be like that. All the other stuff, yeah, I can understand why it's happening. And you know. And I'm I'm certainly, you know, I have my own opinions on that and I've voiced them on this channel before. Um, But back in the team, there's something, it was last last night I tweeted about it, but it's something that I've been feeling. When we played well, there were three or four patterns of play in the first half where it it looked like United, you know, like they had a little bit of umph about them. Even McTominay was being so maligned looked to play well because there were good players playing around him and he was full of confidence and it was so good to see it was so good to see sancho with confidence and rashford especially you want to see him drive at people cuz you know that he's good and when they do it i get emotional watching him it. it's just like oh god you're back there's a little bit of you that's back do you know what i mean and it's like my, yeah. that's my relationship with it as well and i'm sure it's the same for like thousands of other people so yeah um and and the idea of seeing someone like anthony coming in who does that kind of thing? It was literally yeah. there to entertain. Yeah. You don't know. I mean, I, I, I'd have, I used to love the conversations i had with Clayton Blackmore. He would talk about um, Olsen and Strachan, mm. and they weren't economic wingers. They like to stop and they like to start. Do you mm. know? And that was yeah. frustrating for the forwards. Yes, the fans love them, but the forwards. Yeah. It's a little bit frustrating. I wonder if that's they would, what they would have that. rather had uh, Steve Koppel, wouldn't they? Exactly. Well, yeah, Beckham's get,
0: get beyond cross it,
2: yeah, that's exactly but that's the thing. And Anthony's probably more down the Strachan and Olsen line, but yeah. we haven't had that entertainment And that, that, just care, carefree, liberal entertainment. And that's you know, enjoying watching the team play again and then putting an entertainer into that, yeah. Um, it, even I was talking yesterday about this, the Arsenal game. Obviously, you want to win every single game, but United's resurgence is a, is bigger than individual games and results at the moment. It's about establishing a pattern of play. So even if they play well um, and they draw on Sunday, as yeah. long as we see a good game and we yeah. see that the team are moving in the right direction, yeah, that's it's the thing. And I, I veered away, but it was such a great question, there, Paddy. I wanted to give it the compliment.
0: <laughs> Thank you. But it's uh, yes, it's, it's it the nature of oh, James Radcliffe. What's James saying? When
2: players cross the white line, nothing else matters. Surely the fans should demonstrate. The ah, same good way. point.
0: Good point. Yeah, yeah, that is a good point. You can you can make your argument. Um, you can you can make your argument before and after. Um, I think, um, but the only thing, and, and I'd, I'd be interested to know if James agrees. James Radcliffe agrees with us. James James Radcliffe, that's Jim Radcliffe. Jim <laughs> Jim, buy the club. Don't give us your opinion. Just go, just buy the club. Um, but the, the 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 only thing I would say is is yes, it's because in a way you 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 say the you're. You want you you want a performance from the players. When I watch my club, I, I in a way I love the fans more than the players because the fans yeah. are part of my family. The players might not be. The players would Bruno be here if it was Berry rather than Manchester United? It's a, is, is the money coming to it slightly? Whereas the fan, okay, Manchester United, like like a, most big clubs, have a. Proportion of people, uh, proportion of people who adhere to the club because it's a way of feeling better, because it's a big club, and blah blah blah. Manchester, you, you know, we do what we want, and all that kind of stuff. But the there is still a, there are a large population, a large proportion, even of Manchester United supporters, and certainly when I support Dundee, a much bigger proportion of a smaller, much smaller entity. Who are there because they haven't got a choice because yeah. and 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 if, if you look back to the relegation season what was it 1974 yeah. 73 or 4 was it yeah. when united got relegated and the crowd hardly changed in the second division of what would now be the championship the crowd, what did it go down by about four or five thousand something like that not much it was basically the same people said okay well we'll watch them in the second division then yeah and that yeah sort of family aspect, I would, the only thing I would change about your your, your answer to, to my question, what would be, from my point of view, would be that I love probably the, my fellow fans more than the players.
2: Yeah. Um, I think that it made a difference. And it does, I think, Online, I'm not going to start digging in on online fans, but obviously there's been such a difficult atmosphere. And then there will be because United were losing games and they weren't playing well and there was a difficult atmosphere in the ground. They Yeah, but you
0: you got stick. You got stick for doing what James was just uh, um, messaged in. You got stick for doing what he absolutely, in my opinion, rightly says, you should do. You were backing yeah. your manager, yeah, and <laughs> well, and not just not not in a blind way. You actually thought Solshad deserved a bit of credit, and you were getting stick from so-called Manchester United fans for being loyal to your club. Yeah, well, I... and that that in a way does shake your faith in your fellow fan. I I, I take your point there. Yeah, it
2: is one thing, but I still think that when you get there, all that kind of thing, it's like politics, right? You can have friends who've got different opinions. I'm fine with that. If someone thinks that Solskjaer didn't do a good job or that he deserved to be sacked, that's fine. We're still mates at the end of the day. It doesn't really matter. But I still think that when you're there at the crowd, look, playing for United is difficult enough as it is. It's the one of the most pressurised environments in, in world sport. They've got to put in a performance every single week. And it, it, that's no different to any other football fan, really, in, in a certain way. But because the eyes of the country are always on United and the headlines are always there, scrutinised in a different way. And I think it, the audience, the support, has got a, a role to play in that as they do in every sporting event. And you can either choose to use that energy positively or you can use to you can use it negatively. And that United team, you could tell they were responding very badly to negative energy. So try and be positive. And you could see against Liverpool, they were fantastic. The crowd, the atmosphere there was incredible, and and obviously playing away from home the last couple of games on the back of that has probably helped because United's away support is always fantastic. So be interesting like to a, see
0: at Leicester, it was it was like a home game. I was thinking, oh, those Leicester fans are making quite a lot of noise. I was only watching on telly i thing is, those Leicester fans are pretty noisy for for a, a load of fans who've had a terrible window on the bottom of the league. Of course, it was the United fans. I don't know how many there <laughs> were two thousand, maybe, but they made they made a, a right lot of noise. And uh, so, yeah, you must be happier than you have been for a while. Anyway, three weeks. Yeah, uh,
2: we we got uh, three weeks. So we got a comment in here. Ollie was on a hiding set,
0: nothing from many. Uh, you know, com- com- you also have- completely agree with that. Completely agree with that. It was like almost it was almost a wee bit like um, Roy Hodgson at Liverpool because because Kenny should had been in for the job, you know. And so he was the anti Kenny and and, and 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 yeah, you would have thought that Ole Gunnar to would be so embedded into the hearts. Of the Manchester United support. Uh, yeah. that, but you, you're quite right. The, the, everyone assumed that Pochettino and United were destined to come together. Yeah. Um, there was still anyway, were Anyway, we're, we're, we're nearly an hour. What chance we're have on. we got, eh? when There's so much to talk about.
2: Yeah. Um, it's fair. The, the Pochettino point, I mean, Tenog was. Um, after his first couple of games, people were saying, oh, they should have got Pochettino, he's available, and that was already starting, uh, but it looks like Ten Hag turned the corner until um, possibly if we lose against Arsenal, then the knives will be back out for him, but we'll, um, yeah. that'll be that, um, we'll be back with the, well, Paddy will be back next week on the history podcast, the next history podcast that we've got, is the 67-68 season, something good happened in that one, so you want to be, oh, um, that would be a good cracker, show. Um, yeah, a few years before the relegation, at least some some good stuff to enjoy. And if you've enjoyed watching the podcast, please give us um, a like and subscribe on the channel. If you're listening back on the audio podcast, please be sure to give us a review on the platform you're listening on. I think Keem will be on tonight with Phil. I'm pretty sure he will be previewing Sunday's game, and I'll be back on Monday to um, talk over the game with Paul Parker until next week. Stay safe, stay well. Thanks for listening and watching.
1: The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges.